The following is a lecture given by His Holiness Radhanath Swami Maharaj recorded in 1993 at the Rainbow Festival. The beauty of the night, the sounds of nature, For those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, they are truly people of real wealth. Tonight is a celebration, as we can hear. On this night, it is the disappearance day of one of the greatest spiritual personalities in our history. For great persons, there is generally the anniversary of both their appearance in this world as well as their disappearance. But of the two, Generally, the disappearance day is considered most important. Because when great personalities appear in this world, they often appear to accept great hardship, sacrifice, and risk for the sake of bringing compassion and love to this forgetful world. And we find in all the great religions that such persons, although they are loved by the innocent, they are often hated by the crooked. But they are willing to accept that condition for the sake of bringing the compassionate love of God to those in need. And on the day that they disappear from this world, they return to the spiritual realm, where there is no longer the great sacrifice and austerity that they have to accept on behalf of us. So for our sake, we celebrate their appearance, but for their sake, we celebrate their disappearance. Because for the soul, there is no death Just as we were discussing last night, some of the beautiful messages of the moon. Tonight is the full moon. It is the night when the moon is appearing to our eyes in its full glory. But there is also what is called Amavasya, which is the no moon. The night when the moon does not appear to our vision. But appearing or disappearing, the moon always remains the same. It is simply for our sake that we differentiate. In the same way, great personalities, they appear in this world to give light. 
But their disappearance, there is no death. It is simply the return of that soul to the spiritual world. So today is the disappearance day of Srila Sanatan Goswami. I would like to speak for a few minutes about this wonderful personality. He was born in a very pious and religious family in Bengal, or the eastern part of India. He appeared about 550 years ago. From his very birth, he and his brother Rupa Goswami, they manifested the greatest qualities of devotion to the Supreme Lord. They were very learned, and they used all the talents that God had given them for the sake of leading others on the right path. But there was a very, very cruel and violent conqueror who became the king. And he decided that if Sanatana Goswami and his brother Rupa Goswami if they are representing me, then people will follow. So he made a threat to them. You come into my service, or I will not only punish you, but I will punish all those Hindus who worship the Lord. I will tax them heavily, and I will torture them. So for the sake of his brothers and sisters, he accepted his government service, and he became the prime minister. He became like the brother of this king. He was so wise and so influential that the king would do nothing without consultation of Sanatana. He gave him a major portion of the entire kingdom. He gave him incredible mansion equal to that of the king's. He gave them a salary which was without a limit. He had such power and such control because factually the king would do nothing without his advice so he was more powerful than the king himself. But he was never satisfied because he wanted to live a simple life in devotion to God. At that time, there was a great incarnation of Lord Krishna named Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, or Lord Chaitanya. So Sanatan wrote Lord Chaitanya a letter. He said, My dear Lord, I want to be your follower. I want to simply chant and to dance and to live a life of a devotee. Please tell me what I should do. So Lord Chaitanya sent a letter back, which was very interesting. He said, just as if a wife is in love with someone other than her husband, she will perform her duties to her husband so nicely that he does not suspect that something else is going on. That's all he said. 
So Sanatana understood that this means although my mind and my heart is on Krishna, keeping my mind and heart on Krishna, I must fulfill my duties very, very carefully to this barbaric king. And be patient. Some years later, Lord Chaitanya came to that village and told Sanatan, you leave this kingdom and you go to Vrindavan. Vrindavan is a forest, like the forest we're sitting now. For the Vaishnavas, it is the most holy place in all the world. Today it is about 90 miles southeast of Delhi. It is the place where Lord Krishna 5,000 years ago appeared and performed his wonderful pastimes on this earth. At that time, Vrindavan was simply a dense forest. There were no temples. There were only a few sages spread out here and there, worshipping the Lord. So Sanatan, after hearing this, he had to finish up some last things for the king. But he wasn't interested in his kingly service anymore. He would send notes to the king that he was ill, and he would stay home, and simply, amongst other devotees, he would read the scriptures and chant the holy names of the Lord. The king, whose name was Nawab Hussein Shah, his whole kingdom was falling apart without the advice of Sanatan. So he went to that place to see him, and he saw he was not sick, but he was simply hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam. And with other devotees, he was chanting and dancing. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. The king said, what is this nonsense? These are not the activities of a sick man. You come back to your office. Sanatan said, no, I resign. I have no longer any interest. If you want to punish me, you punish me as you like. But I can no longer serve your demoniac purposes. The king wanted to go to conquer another land. So he ordered Sanatan to be arrested and put in jail. Now this king, he came from the land of Afghanistan to conquer India a major part of India, with his mass armies. So Sanatan was in the prison, and his brother sent him some gold coins. So Sanatan went to the jailkeeper and said, how would you like some gold coins? Just let me out of this place. He said, I cannot let you out of this place. I will get in terrible trouble. The king will punish me. He said, but don't you see? that I'm dedicating my life to God. I want to go to Mecca on a pilgrimage. You will get great pious credits by allowing me to go. I'll give you twice as many gold coins, everything I have. And I'll even give you a good story. When the king asked where I was, tell him I went to respond to nature on the bank of this river Ganges, and with my ball and chain tied to my leg, I jumped in the river and drowned. He will accept. And then he gave him more gold coins. He said, yes, yes, it is a very pious purpose, so I vote for you. 
Sansanatan went to Vrindavan. It's a long story how he went to Vrindavan. But anyways, there are many beautiful songs sung about him. When he was living in this forest of Vrindavan, he had no home. He was living under a different tree every night. He gave up his big, 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 beautiful mansion to sleep on the hard ground. And he gave up his royal robes. All he wore was one torn loincloth. And he would beg for his food. It is described that every two or three days he would get a handful of chickpeas. And he would sustain himself in that way. But he was constantly immersed in the loving thought of the Supreme Lord. He and his brother Rupa, they wrote beautiful, wonderful books. In fact, at Harvard University, there's an entire department dedicated to studying their books in Indology, Eastern religion and theology. At the most prominent religious institution in all of India, the Banaris Hindu University, there's an entire department dedicated only to studying their beautiful poetry, their beautiful songs, and their wonderful writings. By their example, by their teachings, they touch the hearts of hundreds and millions of people in their time and in generations to come. They were always absorbed although living in this simple forest of Vrindavan, in the mercy mission of the Lord. It is described that in the ecstasy of love, when they would think of the illusion and ignorance of the people of this world who are suffering the repetition of birth and death, tears would fall from their eyes. They were willing to give up so much they were willing to accept such a simple and austere life. They were willing to accept imprisonment even, simply for the purpose of serving humanity in the service of God. Sanatan Goswami was considered to be the very emblem of humility. Although he was extremely learned, he had a very high birth, he was very beautiful, young and handsome. He had every sort of material qualification. He was famous, he was powerful. He always presented himself as the most insignificant servant of all living beings. He considered himself the most fallen servant of all living beings. And he did not present himself as a show, but from the very core of his heart, he felt, how is it possible that such a great, learned, and powerful personality who was so pure and so spiritually advanced would consider himself so small. In this material world where everyone is battling 
to increase their ego. No one wants to think themselves small. Everyone is trying to inflate their ego bigger and bigger and bigger. People are trying to constantly prove to others as well as prove to themselves how strong I am, how intelligent I am, how successful I am. In this way, there's a bitter war of egos everywhere in practically every circle of society. Even in religious and spiritual circles, we have seen. Still, the ego remains. We have seen people who give up all the luxuries and comforts of this world. They give up their families. They give up sex life. They give up practically eating fasting for long durations of time. Sometimes they practically give up all sleeping. And they attain tremendous powers where they can perform incredible miracles. But they think, I am great. I am better than you. In this way, they are defeated by their ego. The greatest strength in all of creation is humility. Why? Because it is humility alone that it can attract the power of God. And the power of God is unconquerable. Your strength, your intelligence, all of your abilities, will ultimately be defeated by the force of God in the form of time. It will all be vanquished. But your humility will attract that supreme power of God to always help you, to guide you, to protect you, to uplift you in any circumstance of life. When we understand the greatness, the supreme glory of the Absolute Truth, naturally we feel very small. Some time back, one psychiatrist, he said to me, that what is this nonsense? You're teaching people to think they're small and insignificant? People pay good money to me so that I could tell them how great they are? and convince them that they're very perfect and wonderful and successful? No. We want to teach people the glory and greatness of God. And when we understand the glory and greatness of God, our greatest satisfaction is to be a speck of dust at the Lord's feet. To serve means to be humble. Fantuzzi was talking about service. But there is service of the body, there is service of the mind, and there is a service of the heart. Some people, they serve people's bodies. They give them food, they give them clothing, they give them medicine. But they're very proud of it. They're thinking, you are depending on me. I am great and you are small. Therefore you need what I have. And I'm so merciful, benevolent and kind that I'm giving to you. But is that service?
service of the heart means you are my master and I am your servant, whoever you may be. Even if you're a beggar on the street, even if you're a bird in the sky, or an insect in the ground, or a fish in the water, I am the servant of God. God is great and God is in your heart. God is in my heart too. But God is motivating me to be the servant. So this humility is the most precious and most important of all spiritual qualities. Because it is the only power that attracts Krishna. If you have everything else, but not that, you can attract the whole world, but you'll never attract God. This was the wonderful quality of Sanatan Goswami. That although he had so much, he could see that nothing is mine. To be humble means to be honest. What is ours? The Lord is providing the sun. Without the sun, there would be no rain. The sun evaporates the water, makes... What is the greatness of God? He evaporates the water from the ocean. He takes it into the sky, it forms a cloud, a wind comes and pushes it to the place where water is needed. It falls in the earth, which is the gift of God. It nourishes the seed that is the gift of God. The seed miraculously turns into a beautiful fruit or vegetable or grain. Such a miracle no man has ever performed. We cannot even create one seed with all of our scientific experimentation technology. And there's millions and billions and trillions of these miraculous seeds. In a seed this big is trees so high we can hardly see the top of them. This is the technology of Krishna. He can put a redwood tree so high, so wide, so formidable and put it within a seed this big. Our brains, our bodies, our intelligence, our ability to move, our ability to breathe are all gifts of God. We can claim no credit for these things. We can develop them to some extent but we are developing the gift that has been given by another. And even our ability to try to develop is a gift given by another. And yet we are proud. A devotee is also proud, but not egoistically proud. We are proud that Krishna is great. <laughs> we are proud that Krishna is beautiful. That he is all-powerful. That Krishna, Sri Radharani, she is the reservoir of all love.
and to the degree we are proud of the glory and beauty of Krishna, we lose our own ego and we become truly humble. So on this very beautiful night of the full moon, in India, in Sanskrit, the name of the full moon is Purnima. Purna means full, Ma means moon. Ma means our mother. The full moon. And another thing we could learn from the full moon. The moon is like our own consciousness. And our conscious, we should be striving to bring our consciousness to its fullest, purest, most enlightened state. That is the real goal and purpose of life. And the fullest, most purest, most beautiful state of consciousness is that consciousness that is truly decorated with the quality of humility. The quality where our greatest ambition and goal in life is service of the heart. To genuinely, honestly, and sincerely serve God's creation with a pure heart. This purity of heart, this humility of the heart, is our natural condition. And the revival of that natural condition comes about simply when we associate with the spiritual qualities of the Absolute Truth. It is for this reason that we chant the holy name of the Lord. Krishna is within his name. All the great and wonderful names of God and the various religions are the manifestations of the beauty and the glory of the Supreme. When we chant the holy name, we cleanse our hearts, we purify our consciousness, we bring it back to its natural original state of fullness and brilliance like the full moon by which through our life we can give light, hope, and beauty to the world. Not our own beauty, but the beauty of God, which is the essence of our very selves. When we attentively and sincerely chant the name of God, this most wonderful and transcendental transformation takes place. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Thank you very much. <laughs>